It was about a year ago, upon the killing of George Floyd, that I attended a prayer event down at the Times Union. The event was led by many of the dignitaries of our city, but during that event, I heard a man pray. And when I heard him pray, a prayer that was not only filled with Scripture, but a prayer that was so passionately prayed for the needs not only that our own city was facing, but cities throughout our country. I said, I, 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 got, I have to get to know this man. Pastor David Trainum is our keynote speaker for our local missions conference this year. He is a native of Albany. He and his wife, Brenda, married in 1984. I'm at this stage of life, too, where we show our grandkids first. And so those are his five grandchildren, the two youngest that you'll see there from the far right to in his arms uh, are, are twins, but God has blessed them so richly. Pastor David has been a pastor in our community for over 30 years, former director of the NAACP. He today is not only the founder, but the executive director of Alert Partnerships, Albany Law Enforcement Resolution Team. And what he seeks to do is, is bring all of those agencies together within the realm of law enforcement to talk about the needs within our community. Yes, needs revolving around race, injustice, and more. To be able to build partnerships that work together for the peace of our city. I know whenever anyone dares to try to talk about race, and reconciliation, there are landmines everywhere. And more than anything else, what we as a church are committed to, and what I know is on Pastor David's heart, is is to find gospel-centered solutions to the problems that affect us. And because we hear a lot of voices all along the spectrum of our culture today saying one thing or another, accusations being filed in so many different ways. But what we need more than anything else is what does God say? What is the hope that is found in Jesus Christ? And and how does Jesus Christ provide the answers to the problems that plague us? Those are the things upon Pastor David's heart. Now, when some of us preach, it's, it's an event. When Pastor David speaks, it's an experience. So get ready. Pastor David, come on up. And, uh, and you welcome him as he comes back to Loudonville Community Church. Over the years, our church has had the opportunity to be involved in, in Pastor David's life and his ministry in so many ways. Grateful for this, brother. Let me pray for you. And you got a little bit more time in this service. I do. So enjoy it. are not going nowhere until about five. <laughs> Father in heaven, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time as we hear from your word, as we hear from Pastor David, the things that you have placed upon his heart. Father, move us, inspire us, help us, Father, most of all, to seek your face for the issues that we see all around us. The problems are bigger than than we are, and we know that. And so, Father, we We not only give them over to you, knowing that you alone can shoulder them, but also, Father, you provide the answers. And so, again, 
with our hearts fixed on Christ. Fill Pastor David now with your spirit as he speaks to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much, Pastor Paul. God bless everybody here. I'm just honored to be here once again to share the, the heart that God has given me, but also my hope is that I would inspire you to continue in the things that God has already placed on your heart. As Pastor Paul said, I'm the proud father of two daughters, but also five grandkids. Carry them with me in my heart. Carry them with me. Isn't it great now? We got telephones. We got millions of pictures on our phones. Anybody out there got a picture of their grandkids? Or, you know, yeah, you, you, got, you got to have a whole bunch of them. But there's nothing like it, and there's no greater joy than to have, you know, your, your, uh, your kids and your grandkids, you know, as part of your life always. And um, again, Pastor Paul, thank you. I, I can't say enough about the grace that not only you, but your church has been showing me today. I have, um, naturally, I said, here, here I go. Naturally, I said I can't do the same thing, and he's not expecting it. You know, but please get this. I want to get this kind of out of the way, okay? Loudonville Community Church has been a part of my life since 1996. You guys came in to my life through a a man named Gordon Enfield. There were many others that came alongside of us one Saturday. About 40 of your men and some of the women came down to our church to help us remodel it. You guys did uh, uh, cleaned it out. You guys also ran electrical wires. You guys helped us build the pulpit. There were so many different things, you know, that you guys did. And from that particular moment, the relationship continued right up until 2019. And I'm grateful because we were able to win, you know, hundreds and hundreds, I really mean this, of people to the Lord in our South End and Albany communities. But also, we were able to touch thousands, and I'm going to say tens of thousands of people, because over those same years, we've given out over a million pounds of food. We fed the people. We made certain, and through your Thanksgiving outreach, you know, you guys would give us turkeys, and, and you know, two, three, four hundred, you know, at a clip at, at times, depending on what the needs were. And you know something? You never made us qualify. You came alongside of us, and you said, we're going to help you reach your community for Christ. And one of the things that I've come to realize is that when we are partnered together, when you come in and we win people, you're actually winning people through us. And so with that said, my heart is so overwhelmed and overjoyed by the love that not only you shared then, but the love that I'm seeing you continue to share because not only before the service of, of the first service at 9 o'clock, but after that whole maybe 45 minutes to an hour, you as a congregation never stopped showing the love of Jesus to me. And Pastor Paul said some people preach it's an event and we're ready for an experience. You know, I'm hoping that, you know, that that is, that is such because I believe that when the gospel goes forward, that there is an authority with it that is going to carry you far beyond the words that can be said. I'm starting out with something that I did say, and I'm not going to keep saying that because naturally this is supposed to be a a second service that you're hearing for the first time, so I'm not going to continue to repeat this. 
However, one of the things that I said, and I think it's very impactful, and this is for every single person that has made Jesus Christ their personal Savior and Lord. I was at a pastor's conference, and a man named T.L. Osborne, you know, was one of the keynote speakers. And he challenged us as pastors, and he simply said this. He said, preach the gospel and use words only if necessary. And it took me about five years to wrap my heart and, you know, and mind around that particular statement and that concept. Because I believe with all of my heart that God is, is looking for people who other people can look at as being living epistles, being known and read of all men, that's going to carry much more weight than anything that they can say. The reality is this, for what I've experienced. When you're sharing the gospel with someone, more than likely they've had somebody else come and share that gospel. But then they would look at that person. They would look at the life, and the life would not reflect the very things that they're saying. And because of that, they look at us and they say, oh, a bunch of hypocrites in the church. You know, and I got to the place where I had to say, yeah, you know, there are a bunch of hypocrites. And raise my hand and say, I'm probably one of them. But the reality is I don't want to be one of them. And then I would challenge them. You know, because the hypocrites in the church and because you're so perfect, why don't you come into the church and show us hypocrites how it's to be done? Because once they get the concept that there is a higher standard for us to be living, which is the word of God, they're going to find out that as easy as it is because of grace to live, it's much more difficult to flesh this thing out. And so I commend every single person here. I'm going to do my best to marry the theme of this missions weekend of crowned with glory, with restorative justice, uh, you know, and, and it's always a tough subject. It's a tough topic, but somebody's got to do it. And what I have found is that God has prepared me through the 40 years that I've been saved, the over 30 years of being a pastor, and the over seven years that I have been building relationships between law enforcement and the community. This is really critical because uh, it doesn't take anybody, you know, uh, 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 having an education or take anybody having a degree, a college diploma to realize that our city and our nation is in a mess. Amen. You know, and, and whether or not we want to, we're a part to be, we're a part of this thing. And my biggest reality is that either I'm going to be a part of the problem or I'm going to be a part of the solution. And being a part of the problem doesn't necessarily mean that you're one of the ones that's protesting as much as it means that you're probably one of the ones that are just talking about the problem, causing it to fester rather than being the one with an answer. And the reality, again, is that God has raised you up to be a person that would have an answer. Now, one of the tough things to talk about, we talk about, you know, uh, social justice and stuff. One of the tough things to talk about is race relations. I have been blessed to be able to do that only because 
of my upbringing. My parents made certain that I had no, quote-unquote, racist bones in my body. But then, as I get out into the world, you find that some of your friends begin to influence those pure things that your parents have told you. And you find that whether or not I want you, there are certain things that's causing me to look at you as a person that is of a different race than I am through a different lens. You see, no matter who you are, you have a certain bias. I told you it wasn't going to go the same way. There's, you have a certain bias towards other people. You look at other people through those things that you have experienced. And if somebody has hurt you or somebody has said something about you and somebody had a bad day while you were in the store and they were of a different color, what we do is we begin to label all of those within that group as that same type of a person. But one of the greatest things that we can do is come to a place where we're going to let individuals be individuals. You see, if this person over here, notice I'm not pointing to anybody. I was going to say if this person over here. No, but if this person over here treats me bad, I'm going to swallow real big and say that person there may be prejudiced. I don't know, but they may be having a bad day. Get this. They may have lost a loved one. They may be grieving. There's no telling what that person is going through. And I'm not going to judge an entire race by what that person just did. And so I'm going to walk out that door. I'm going to say, thank you so much. God bless you. I hope you have a great day. And I'm going to go out that door and I'm going to look for somebody else that I can build a bridge with. Because what God has done is he has called you to be a, bit, a bridge builder. Now, if you would, open your Bible, and I'm going to start at the end this time. The book of 2 Corinthians. The book of 2 Corinthians. I I didn't get past the first three or four uh, uh, paragraphs in my my notes, and I got eight pages. You know, so I got to kind of pick and choose which way I'm going to go. But I do believe that what I'm sharing can be a... A catapult, if you will, into the greater will of God for our region. You see, you as a Christian, you have a very important part to play in the overall peace of our city. The Bible says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Now we can look at that literally and say, okay, that's over in Israel. But when I look at Jerusalem, although it is a physical place, I look at it as a principle, but also as a precept, an example for us to follow. And so when it says pray for the peace of Jerusalem, I say pray for the peace of Albany. And when I say that and I begin to do that, I am not praying and doing it while I hold the hand of everything that's going wrong. You see, I don't know about you, but I've heard some people, and, and, and how you pray is up to you. I just love prayer. But get this. I've heard some people pray 
And all they do is tell God everything that's wrong, like God don't know. The Bible says that his word will not return unto him void, but will accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. When I grabbed hold of that revelation, you know what I began to do? I began to give him something that is going to produce in the earth. And that is his word. I preach his word. I pray his word. And to the best of my ability, I live his word. And living the word is more than just getting up in the morning and trying not to commit an act of sin. Again, that's where the grace of God comes in. And I never give anybody a license to sin. As a matter of fact, you know, I I, I probably preach against sin just as much as your pastor does or anybody else. Because when we're pastors, we want to see people living holy, righteous lives. We want to see people not putting a stumbling block before the blessings of God. I came to realize that the Bible is very, very clear when it comes to who we are. The Bible says we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And because it defines me as that, I do everything that I can do to live on that plane. And when I do mess up, I thank God for the book of 1 John that says if any man sins, we've got an advocate with the Father, the man Christ Jesus. He's faithful. He's just. He'll forgive us of our sin. He'll cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You see, the beauty is the fact that we've got the best of both worlds. Man, we got heaven to gain and we got hell to shun. But the thing is, we got the best thing going on in the earth that anybody can have. We can go through this earth without a conscience of sin. Hebrews. You see, a lot of times it's the consciousness of sin that we have that keeps us from becoming everything that God wants because we're ready to do something and the enemy will make sure that you realize you messed up. We have this guilt and this condemnation that tries to come upon us when God is trying to bring us to a place where we stay free from that. And now you're trying to help somebody. You're trying to minister to somebody. You're in the city and here you are. You're trying to be a vessel of honor. And what happens? The guilt comes. Who you think you are. You cannot do it. I'm here to beg to differ with you. You can do it. The Bible says you can do all things through Christ who infuses you with strength. And you being able to do all things through Christ, that means that I can overcome all of these other issues that the enemy has used to try to keep our city at war. One of the things that I said a few weeks ago, was the fact that there's a lot of times people who are protesting, they're so focused on the battle that they have no plan to win the war. You see, we cannot be so engulfed in the battle that we forget the ultimate goal. And as Christians, oftentimes we go through that too. 
we're fighting this and we're fighting that. And one of the things that I, I've come to realize is that the United States of America can be viewed as the divided states of America. And get this, you have the answer to this. I really mean this. When we come to a place where we realize the authority and the power that we have as a Christian, my friends, you can change the world. Now, a lot of times when we look at change in the world, it's such a big place. But when we understand and realize that when Jesus told us to go into all the world, he was telling us to go into the ethnic groups of the world. Those places that are around us. You see, I can touch the ethnic groups that are around me. I can touch the Latinos. I can touch the Jamaicans. I can touch the Africans. I can touch the Caucasians. I can touch the Italian. I can touch the Jew. I can touch the Gentile. Why? Because Jesus told me to go into all the world. And when I came into the world... What God wants from me is to, when I, when he sent me to the world, what God wants from me is to represent him well. And oftentimes when we're representing someone, we take on his word. And what we do is we forget that there is a spirit behind the word. The Bible says the spirit and the word agrees. There's a spirit behind that word that wants you to do certain things a certain way. We often forget that part. Now, when we look at who you are and the responsibility that you have, the book of Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 12, I'm going to read it this time, of the Message Bible. It says that you will use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your old past. And you'll be known, I love how this is translated, as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate. And then the part that I love here is make the community livable again. You see, the New King James Version, the King James Version, they translate that as you will be known as a repairer of the breach. A restorer of broken walls to live in. And what God is doing is he's raising up people who will grab hold of his word, will not let it go, and they will be used of him to fix what we're seeing in our region, our state, and around the world. Almost every day we're seeing violence. We're seeing violence by certain, or I should say within certain ethnic groups. In Albany last year, I think there were 112 shootings. Numerous people were killed. We know this. You're part of our community. You might be on the outskirts, but that doesn't mean that everybody is from Loudonville area. And because we've had so much violence, we can't oftentimes look past what we're seeing until we turn on the television or we open up our computers and look at the Internet. Then we look at what's happening in North Carolina. 
We see what's happening in Minnesota. We see what's happening around, you know, uh, George Floyd. We see what's happening around Breonna Taylor. The list goes on and on and on. And the encouraging part is that as we see people who are seeing that justice should be served and justice must be served, we don't see just one race of people. We see Caucasians joining with African Americans. We see Asians joining with African Americans. We see others joining with us. And in that fight, it comes this statement that I, you know, as I refer to the divided states of America, a statement that causes a lot of people to say, I don't want anything to do with this African American or that group. And that's Black Lives Matter. And I said in the, in the first service, and I, I do mean that all lives matter. We're not saying that nobody else's life matter. What we're saying is that black lives should matter too to those who are trying to take them. We've seen the relationships between law enforcement and we've seen relationships between specifically the African-American community strained to say the least. In the, the picture that we see, and this is something that a lot of times it cannot it cannot be overlooked and it's hard to talk about, is that when seemingly Caucasian people are in the same predicament, they have a different outcome. African Americans go to their graves. Caucasian oftentimes, after they shoot up a school or they shoot up a crowd or whatever happens, they get handcuffed and go to jail. And what happens is, We have these pictures, get this, because of television. And we have these pictures because of the internet. But because we have those pictures, it doesn't mean that they're not right. And what we have to be as Christians, we've got to get to a place where we're understanding that there's got to be a solution. And I'm glad you're getting to that place because you are the solution. You can do much more than what you have been led to believe. You can come into the, the, uh, the Christian experience and then you can display to the world the fact that God is truly alive. Because if God is alive and he's living in you, what he wants to do is use you to accomplish his will in the earth. This is what makes it so critical when we are living the Christian life. Now, I asked you to turn to the book of 2 Corinthians because I believe that for this church, that this is something that God is trying to do. You have had great outreaches You are touching not only so many organizations and churches and ministries in this area, but around the world. You believe in missions. You believe in what you do. But I believe that God wants to marry your giving with your living. It's it's important. 
And here's the other part. You're not going to be able, can, can I just share my heart? You're not going to be able to be friends with everybody that's different than you. Some people don't want it. Just like, you know, I can't be friends with everybody because some of you may not want it. And if I'm honest, I may not want some of you. <laughs> Excuse me. Only because, you know, we're different. You know, you might like opera, and, you know, in, in the ballet. I, I, I hate opera. I hate ballet. We ain't going to get on. It could be just that simple. But what we do is, get this, we don't have to take those differences and let them cause a wedge between you and me as people who are in the same body. We are the body of Christ. Paul said, and members in particular. You know, and and here's the thing. You're not the white body of Christ, and I'm not the black body of Christ. There's only one body. And here's the other part. I've accepted the fact that God and Jesus Christ could be white. Have you accepted the fact? Just think about it. Just think about it. I wonder how many racist Christians, and I know there ain't none in here. I wonder how many racist Christians are going to get into eternity. They're going to stand before God. And if God just happens to look like David Trainum, they're going to say, oh, wait a minute. The exorcist has arrived. I can't go in. You ain't going to do that. And so we might as well get used to the body of Christ being made up of all races, all creeds. If we read the Bible, all creeds, all colors. I love what the book of Revelations describes us as. I love the fact that I'm going to have brothers and sisters of every nation, every tribe, every language, every tongue. I had to come outside of who I was in order to grab hold of who God was making me. I had to come outside of who I was to make certain that I wasn't a stumbling block for people that God wanted to bring close to him. It's easy to do because of biases, because of preconceived ideas and preconceived thoughts about a certain person in a certain way. I told you this was hard to talk about, but I've got no problem talking about it because I talk about it from a perspective of the fact that there are solutions and you being a Christian, you're it. Pastor, how do you know? Glad you asked. Second Corinthians chapter 5. We all know this scripture in verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. One translation says creature. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now, get it. Now, all things are of God, verse 18 who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And that is verse 19, I end with this verse, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. 
not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. My friends today, I challenge you to step into the ministry that God has called you to. You see, we understand and we know the Great Commission. The Bible says, as you, as we all know, Matthew chapter 28, God says to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name as we saw this morning, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the ends of the earth. We're all familiar with that. We're all familiar with the fact that God has saved us. But he saved you in order that you might become a minister of reconciliation. Now, being a minister of reconciliation, the reality is that your message in being the reconciler is that God is not mad at everybody. As a matter of fact, we know the scripture, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, whosoever, whosoever black, whosoever white, whosoever red, whosoever yellow, whosoever green. If you're purple, you are whosoever too. It's that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that would carry me. That would hold me. Like I said, I've been saved for 40 years. That would hold me in the beginning. But then, you know something? As we come to the revelation, even though I read it, we come to the revelation of the fact that Jesus didn't stop there. Jesus went on to say, you know, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see, That is the message of reconciliation. And as Christians, we must have those words on the forefront of our lips. We must have them in the back of our mind. And we must have them as part of our hearts. Why? Because there are people that God wants to reach through you that need to know that God is not mad at them. That God loves them. And you cannot reach people who are different than you, people that you may not agree with, people that at one point you may have even hated. We all ain't been saved our whole life. There are some people that we used to hate before we got saved and realized that God didn't want us hating anybody. That God wants you to want you to be used to win them. As I end, I end sharing these thoughts. Our message is simple. We must proclaim the gospel. We must use words only when necessary. I have to find a way to be a reconciler of people that are at odds. A person that is Caucasian be a reconciler to people who are African American or any other person of color. I have to be a person who is going to reconcile people who are Democrats with people who are Republicans. 
Would you believe, and I, I, I really do mean this, and I'm heartbroken over it. Would you believe that I lost a friend because Donald Trump lost the race? And he blamed me because I am black? Everybody black doesn't mean that everybody is democratic. And that doesn't also mean that everybody that's Caucasian is Republican. We've got to get to a place where we're taking the politics out of the church and leave the politics to the politicians and let the gospel be the very thing that is going to knit our hearts together. Because again, I said, my heart was broken. It is broken that this person began to call me all kinds of names and hate me, not even knowing who I voted for. I'll say this. Albany is a democratic city. If you are not a registered Democrat, most likely your vote isn't even going to count. And if I can't vote for who I want, I need to make certain I'm putting the best person in office that is going to represent my ideals, my views. You got to understand, everybody that's democratic is not for abortion. Everybody that's democratic is not for homosexuality or should I say, you know, uh, same-sex marriage. You see, we have taken this and we've made it into issues that have nothing to do with the gospel. Oh, but pastor, God, I know he does. I served on the board of the Alpha Pregnancy Center for two years. I have a passion to see our unknown, our unborn babies have a opportunity to live. I've got a passion for that. I understand. But if the truth would be known, even when it comes to same-sex marriage, Almost every person's got somebody in their family that is a homosexual. Almost. I'm not saying everybody. Almost. And I am not going to condemn those people to hell like they that they're like they're from a different planet. I'm going to do whatever I can to love them into the kingdom and let the let the Lord, let the Holy Spirit, let the gospel change them. Change their hearts. Change their minds. Who do we think we are? We have a responsibility before God to be ministers of reconciliation to people who are at odds, bringing them together in one, Jesus Christ, so that there can be peace, unity, harmony in our entire nation. I know some people don't agree, and that's okay. I'm going back to something that I said. You can't win them if you don't touch them. I do not care. Pastor Paul may never ask me back. That's okay, Pastor. I got out, you know, and I, I don't do it to be offered opportunity. I'm simply saying that as a joke, but please understand, What I'm sharing is truth. And as I told Pastor Paul, there is so much that it's impossible to share in 30 minutes. And I've gone 33 minutes, and some of you guys are saying I'm on borrowed time, so I might as well stop. (laughs) With that, I want to pray for you, if you would allow me to. Just that God would allow this anointing of a reconciler 
to happen. You see, that's something that God has rested on my life. I, I, part, I have partnered with 11 law enforcement agencies, including the DEA, the United States Attorney's Office, the FBI, New York State Police, locally, uh, uh, Sheriff Apple, uh, uh, Chief Hawkins. There's, there's 11 of them. You know, just uh, uh, Letitia James with the, attorney, uh, the New York Attorney General's Office. I have a partnership with all the heads of these organizations. It's amazing. And what I do is I bring them all together. Even last Thursday, I brought them together with people from the community. Even a protester was there so that they can, you know, have an opportunity to figure out what is it going to take to make, if I could go back to Isaiah chapter 58, you know, in the message Bible that I quoted, make our community livable again. People are afraid to go out in the South End. People are afraid to go out in Albany at night, you know, and we've got to make it livable. And the thing is, I've just taken up that responsibility. And here's the other thing. I made time to do it. You, my friends, you had that same anointing. Father, in the name of the Lord, I thank you for this great church. I thank you for this great pastor and his ministerial staff. I pray, oh God, your blessings upon the leadership here. I ask that you would lead and guide them. Continue to mold and melt their hearts concerning the things that are dear to your heart which is souls, God, souls for your kingdom, souls that's going to allow the Spirit of God to have his way in these last days. You said in the last days you're going to pour out your Spirit on all flesh. And Father God, I thank you, O oh God, that you're pouring it out even today. You're allowing those in this room and those who may be watching by the Internet, Father, you're allowing them to realize that they have been handpicked by you because we know that we did not choose you, but you chose us and you ordained that we go forward and bring forth fruit. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, God, that there would be fruit from every one of our lives, from the youngest to the eldest. Father, God, use them. Father, God, put a double dose, if you would, of love in their heart for the unlovely, the un- those that are uncaring. Father God, in Jesus' name, those that have hurt them, those, oh God, who look different, those, oh God, who have a different heart and agenda. Father God, use those in this room. Use those in this church to win them to, the, to, to your son in order that you, oh God, might be glorified. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, as I close this out, Father God, I thank you, oh God, for the relationship that has been built. We thank you for all the things that Loudonville has done for me, that they have done for my family, that they have done for my church. Father God, I pray, God, that you would reciprocate blessing after blessing upon them. Father God, blessing upon their homes, blessing in their minds, blessing in their bodies, blessing in their resources. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank Thank you, O oh God, that they are overcome with blessings according to your word. Now, Father God, let this relationship, let it flourish, let it be built, let there be great things that would transpire because you, O oh God, are in the midst of it. We give you praise, honor, and glory. I ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, whose we are, who we serve, and who we love. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, Pastor. God bless your great congregation. I love you guys so much. God bless you. Uh, Thank you so much, Pastor David, for just 